Stay with us following this week's Crosswalk for information on Pastor Clay's new book, I Get It, Discovering How to Really Live in the Promises of God. Growing in God's Word and learning what it means to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk with Pastor Clay Stevens from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh. I'm not just talking about a faith that you hope will get you into heaven, because I think I meet a lot of people that think of faith in those terms. What is faith? Most people don't realize it, but faith is something all of us use every day. When we sit down in a chair or go out and start our car or order a meal from a fast food restaurant, all those actions require an element of faith. The person who sits down in the chair probably does so without knowing anything about the chair manufacturer or the process used in constructing the chair, but he or she sits down believing the chair will support them. That is faith. When you start your car, you probably don't check under the hood first or research the life expectancy of your battery. You get in the car and turn the key, believing it will start. That is faith. When you place your order at a fast food restaurant, well, let's face it, that's faith. Even the atheist, by faith, proclaims that there is no God. He or she cannot prove that God does not exist, but they choose to believe in the non-existence of God. That is faith. The world seems to disengage faith from everything else in our lives. You've got your, your faith, you've got your religious stuff, and then you got all the rest of your life. Faith is, in one sense, an everyday part of our lives. But what about your faith in Jesus? Is that just a one-time decision you made? And your faith in Jesus Christ's atonement on the cross is what's going to get you into heaven? Is that the extent of our faith in Jesus? Or is our faith in Jesus Christ actually something that God wants us to use every day in our lives? Faith, the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God is something that you and I need throughout our life. There are decisions that have to be made. There are, there are forks in the road. Anybody ever been at that fork? I don't know. I'm just thinking the wisdom of an all-powerful, all-knowing, everywhere-present God. I'm just thinking that might come in handy. Hello and welcome to Crosswalk. Today, we're continuing our series that we started last week entitled Building on the Basics. Last week, we started into the New Testament book or letter of James and the topic of faith. As you'll hear Pastor Clay explain today, our faith has potential to give us something that we all need in life, the wisdom of God. You know, people make decisions based on all sorts of things, but to be able to lean on the wisdom of God in our decisions, well, that's a wonderful thing. We're so glad you've joined us today. Now here's Pastor Clay. Last week, we started this uh, new series. And what I said really is a series of series. Uh, Because we are going to make our way systematically through each one of what is known as uh, the general epistles. And just to remind you uh, that epistle simply means letter. So these are kind of grouped together. And it's what, what we refer to today within the context of the New Testament as a whole, the Bible as a whole, and then the New Testament. Then within the New Testament are uh, what we call the general epistles or the general letters. And uh, along with the book of Hebrews, which I said we'll, we'll do as a standalone uh, at some point, but along with the book of Hebrews, the general uh, letters are James, which we started in last week. We'll be working our way through the book of James, First Peter, Second Peter, First John, Second John, Third John, and Jude. So, um, if, if uh, this week you're watching Jeopardy and Alex Trebek happens to mention what the general epistles are, y'all are going to know what they are, right? Right? Seven or eight of them, if you cl- including the book of Hebrews, uh, but you're going to know what they are. Again, they're called the general letters because they're not addressed specifically to a particular church or a particular person. They are to the church in general. Right? Awesome. 
Um, and so uh, last week we started into the book of James and, and what we're going to see while there is overrun, and I said this last week, there is overrun, and while there's many subject matters that are covered, uh, I do believe that certain themes begin to come out with certain writers. And with James, uh, the subject matter that, that pre- predominates his letter is what? Faith. <laughs> I had faith that y'all were going to get that right, and uh, y'all a little timid with that. But uh, in, in James, it, it, right, it's faith. Peter, we're going to see it. it there's this, there's, to a large degree, there's this focus on, on hope. Right? With John, there's love. With, with Jude, uh, it's just judgment. I mean, it's just one chapter, and he's, he's getting on it. He's nailing it. And again, there's overrun, you'll find, but there's these general uh, topics. And so that's why this series is called Building on the Basics. Because really, those are four essential basics to an understanding of a relationship with God. And how, how that relationship is strengthened, matures, grows, continues. You do understand, if you're here and you're in a relationship with Jesus Christ, you do understand that there is one sense that God is, is, you know, is excited at where you are if you're in a relationship with him. But there's another sense in which God is not satisfied with where any of us are, but that he is, he is spurring us on, he's pushing us on, he's driving us on to something greater. Hence, uh, this subject matter that comes up that we looked at last week, and we'll touch on again this week, uh, trials that come into our uh, life and, and how God uses those kind of things. So uh, just kind of keep that in mind as we're walking through this series, Okay. All right? All right. Hey, uh, this weekend, uh, Cindy and I went to see the, uh, the natural disaster action film, uh, San Andreas. Any of y'all see that? Wow. Talk about a bad day. I mean, if, uh, you know, The Rock, The Rock is in it. Y'all, y'all know who The Rock is? The Rock is in it. And... Um, uh, I'll tell you, if you live in Los Angeles or San Francisco or really anywhere up and down the California coast, uh, <laughs> a, hey, them folks had a bad day. Well, we, have, we have bad days, don't we? We do. Uh, maybe not buildings shaking to the ground, tsunami sweeping everything away days. Or maybe so. Maybe some days do feel that way. Maybe some... Maybe some events in our life do feel that way. So James brings up this subject matter of faith and the the essential quality of faith in our lives. Why we have to have this thing called faith. And I'll probably say this again, but listen to me. Because I think there's some misunderstandings about this. I'm not just talking about a faith that you hope will get you into heaven. Because I think I meet a lot of people that think of faith in those terms. And the world seems to do that. The world seems to kind of uh, disengage faith from everything else in our lives. Don't you think that that's true? You've got your, your faith, you've got your religious stuff, and then you've got all the rest of your life. No, what James is talking about here is a faith that's not just the hope that I will get to heaven someday, but a faith that affects my life every day. Right here, right now, in the good times, in the bad times, in the messes, in the triumphs, in the tragedies, in the tsunamis that sweep over our life. So, let's look at it this morning. Open your Bibles if you brought a copy of God's Word to James chapter 1. 
James chapter one. How many of you, uh, just curiosity, I don't know. I just thought I'd ask this all of a sudden. How many of you uh, use an electronic version of the Bible in here? Look at that, look at that. That five years ago, you wouldn't have seen that electronic version, maybe on your iPad, your phone, something like that. How many of you use a, a hard copy, old-fashioned hard copy? Ooh, it's, it's close. And I'm, I'm not advocating either way. I, I, I like to preach out of a hard copy, I'll confess to you. But uh, we also provide it up on the screen as well. So we've got an electronic copy and a hard copy uh, here for your um, listening advantage. James chapter 1, I'm going to read again, read it last week, I'm going to read uh, verses 1 through 12, and then we'll pick up uh, some ideas we talked about last week and then move on. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes who were dispersed abroad, and I explained last week who that was and what he's talking about, just to, to Jewish believers, which made up the, the bulk of the church at that time. Verse 2, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials knowing that the testing of your faith produces, say that word, endurance. The testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in, say it, nothing. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But... He must ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord. Being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. But the brother of humble circumstances is to glory in his high position. And the rich man is to glory in his humiliation. Because like flowering grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching wind, withers the grass, and its flower falls off, and the beauty of its appearance is destroyed. So too, the rich man in the midst of his pursuits will fade away. Verse 12, blessed is a man who perseveres under trial. For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Okay, here we go. Uh, let's, let's briefly talk about just the ideas that we mentioned last week uh, before moving on to a couple of new ideas today. Last week, we started with this idea that faith has a, pos- a position and that position is a servant. That it's, it's vitally important. And I, I really believe this, that it's vitally important that if you're gonna walk by faith, right? Say walk by faith. If you're going to walk by faith, because remember, we're saying faith is not just some intellectual idea that, oh, yeah, I've put my trust in Jesus, so I'm going to get to heaven someday. No, faith is what allows you to uh, to make decisions, to have positions, to have beliefs, uh, to uh, all of it deals with faith. It's all that that. That if I'm going to do that, if I'm going to walk by faith, and that's the clear message of the, of the scripture in general, what God desires for us, certainly comes out in the book of James. We're going to see it. James doesn't hold any punches uh, back. But uh, the, and I must begin with this idea that I am a servant. And I'm struck by the idea that Paul opens, I mean, uh, James opens his letter, as Paul does in some places. James opens his letter with James, a bond servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as I reminded you last week, 
James is the, is the half-brother of Jesus. They, they had the same mother. But there's no mention of that in the opening of James's letter. James doesn't say, James, the half-brother of Jesus, the guy who knows him better than any of y'all know him, the guy that grew up with him in, 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 in his home. By the way, I think I've said this before, but what would it be like growing up with Jesus as your big brother in-house? You know what I'm saying? Fernando, you know what I'm saying? That would, that, that would be tough, right? Why can't you be more like your big brother, Jesus? Jesus got straight A's. Why can't you get straight A's? Um, because I'm not omniscient. That would, that would be tough. But he doesn't, it's not James, the half-brother. James, uh, the, the guy that knows him better than James, the, the guy who, you know, who deserves your respect and admiration. And, and you know, if you want to kiss my ring, that'd be all. You know, there's, none, there's none of that. There's none of that. There's just this idea of servant. And listen, do you know what the, you know the mindset, because this is critical. Do you know what the mindset of a servant is? Here it is. I, I, I can give it to you briefly and succinctly. Here's the mindset of a servant. I'm here to serve. How can I help you? That's the mindset of a servant. It says it's, it's not about me. It's not about my wants, my wishes, my desires uh, with my life. Sure, I know I have some of those things and I have to learn to deal with them and let, and let God guide me through those things. But I am a servant of the living God. And, what, and, and I explained last week. Now remember, go back and listen to that message. If, you know, God, I honestly believe God doesn't see us that way. God sees us as his child, redeemed, and, and there's, there's, it's a different, but, but we approach this idea as, as, as humbly as we can. Listen, the body of Christ, okay, the body of Christ ought to be an ego-free zone. No place, if you know what I mean, but there's no place for me, for I, that, that, that it's about God and, and God's people and what he wants to do. Starting with this idea that, that, that faith has a, has a position. That position is a servant. Second idea that we said last week is that faith has a process and it's trials. In verses two through four, he walks through that and says about these various trials and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and, and I said it last week, I'll say it again. Nobody likes trials. Nobody enjoys trials. Nobody's you know, like, ooh, 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 me, me, give me the trial. Give me the trial. Not really, no. We, we don't like them, but but the fact is, and as we looked at last week, just, just to reemphasize that idea, and we'll even talk a little bit more about it uh, today, trials are absolutely essential for my life. If, if I'm going to walk by faith, if I'm going to get it, I actually have to have trials. And, and so just real quickly, as, as I can remember them, I said that, it, that James said it starts uh, with this positive mindset. Consider it all joy. Not that the trial is fun. Not that the trial is enjoyable, but but that I, what I can consider all joy is the fact that this trial is going to bring me closer to God. This trial is going to bring me into a deeper relationship, a deeper walk with God. And not to put you on the spot, but don't you want that? Honestly, and you can shake your heads, yes, if you want to. <laughs> don't you want a deeper relationship with God? So, so you got to start with this positive mindset and say, man, I, I sure don't enjoy what I'm going through, but I'm going to enjoy the result of this trial in my life, a, a positive mindset. And then I said, then there's this, there's this positive product as a result of it. Trials produce, what's that word we used last week that, that James uses? Trials produce endurance, right? The trials produce endurance. What kind of endurance? Faith endurance, spiritual stamina in my life. 
the trials produce endurance in my life, which, which then produces this, this positive result, which is this person at the end of verse four there, James describes this person that, man, they've got their act together. Perfect, James says. That, that word complete, lacking in what? Go ahead, say it again. Nothing, nothing. lacking in nothing. And I think I said this last week, but I'll say it again. I, I, I want to be that guy. I want to be that guy. Oh, and by the way, if, if you happen to be here and, and you're thinking, maybe you are, and you're thinking, well, I, I love God. I, 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 would, I, would, I would pursue God. I would pursue my relationship with God, whether I had trials or not. I don't have to go through trials to pursue God. I would want to just pursue God regardless. Yeah. And Iran just wants nuclear power to make electricity. And Donald Trump just received a humility award from whoever. <laughs> yeah, no, no, this is the truth. I'm telling you, and as I said this last week, there, there's no motivation in, in my, in my sin, sin-natured self. There's no motivation for me to seek after God if everything's going okay, quite honestly. And so here come the trials into my life. Which then brings up the third uh, subject, the first one, new one this morning. And it looks like this. Faith has a potential. It's the, what's that word? Wisdom. And not just any wisdom. It's the wisdom of God. Faith has a potential. It's the wisdom of God. Pick it up in verse uh, five now. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without any doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, a double-minded person, unstable in all of his ways. So faith has a potential, and the potential is the wisdom of, of God. Now, I think it's interesting, to me it's interesting, that in verse 4, James uh, describes this person that, that, that they, they know who they are in Christ, they understand what this walk with Christ is supposed to be about, they're, they're growing in their faith, they're, they're seeing those trials as opportunities to grow in their faith, and, 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 they're get, and so James says, man, that, that, that person is complete, they're lacking in nothing. That's literally what it says, lacking in nothing. So, but then he turns around in verse 5, and says, but if any of you lacks wisdom. Now, does that seem strange to you? Why would James, having just said that that person who's walking with Christ, they lack nothing, why would he then turn around in the very next verse and say, but if any of you lacks wisdom. Listen, I'm not much for cliffhangers. I'm just going to tell you. The the reason that James puts it that way is because in verse four, he's describing the person who has matured in their walk with faith. They have learned uh, the value of trials in their life. They have grown in their faith. So they are now complete in the sense that they are in position now. They're in position to then see the potential of their faith, which is the wisdom of God for their life. Because, and I don't even need to tell you this, you know this, because the wisdom of God is something that you and I need throughout our life. 
So a person may mature, a person may grow up in Christ Jesus, and, and, and that's, that's a path they continue on, but they always, you always, I always need the wisdom of God in my life because new stuff is always coming up. Y'all ever have new stuff come up in your life? Sure. There are decisions that have to be made. There are, there are forks in the road. Anybody ever been at that, that fork? It seems like I've been there many times. There are forks in the road where, where you, need, you need some help. There are relational issues. There are uh, uh, business decisions. There are career opportunities. There, there are decisions that need to be made that, I, I don't know, I'm just thinking uh, the wisdom of an all-powerful, all-knowing, everywhere-present God, I'm just thinking that might come in handy. So faith has a potential. Now, I probably should stop here. When talking about the wisdom of God, I probably should stop here and, uh, and, and clarify uh, the wisdom of God. I, I believe that you can look at the wisdom of God in, in, in two parts. There are essentially two parts uh, to the wisdom of God. Okay, y'all with me? Okay, thanks. Uh, it starts with this. There is what I would call the plainly revealed wisdom of God. There's first off the plainly revealed wisdom of God. In other words, this book has been plainly revealed to us and it is chock full that's an old term, isn't it? <laughs> it is chock full. I don't even know what it means. It is chock full of the wisdom of God. And it has been plainly revealed to everyone, for everyone. That's why, by the way, I harp so much. Don't y'all get tired of hearing me say it? I harp so much on pushing you towards increasing your knowledge in this book. Because, can I be frank with you? I'm not clay right now. Let me be frank. (laughs) You you have no excuse. I love you. I love y'all. Love love everybody watching. The millions of viewers on Periscope right now or who will watch this video this week. Love all y'all. But you have no excuse for not knowing the plainly revealed wisdom of God in certain areas of your life, if you have access to the word of God, which all of us in this place do. So there, there is the plainly revealed wisdom. It's, it's, it's the stuff that, that God has already laid out. Let me give you an example, okay? Let's, maybe this helps. Let me give you an example. Let's say that there's a young lady who um, just, you know, by happenstance, meets a young man. She is a follower of Jesus. She's committed her life to Jesus Christ. She's active in her, in, uh, in her, in her church. She's active at cross-culture. She's active in life. This isn't necessarily any particular person. I'm just, I'm just giving you a story. And um, uh, she meets this young man. He is not a believer in Jesus. He's, he's not a follower. He's not committed his life to Jesus Christ. But he is a nice guy. He is good-looking, well-built, funny, attentive and through the circumstance maybe they have a class together maybe they both work at the same place but for whatever reason they spend time together and let's say uh, after a couple of weeks this uh, this nice good-looking well-built funny kind young man let's call him Ethan because anybody that's kind and good-looking and well-built and funny and, and attentive has to have a name like Ethan or something like that. 
So in, in, in time, Ethan decides to ask this young lady out. And she likes him. He's nice. He's fun. He's attentive. He, he, he's good to be with. And, and, and it's like, and so she says to her life group one day, one night, meeting in her life group on a regular, consistent basis, says to her life group, um, listen, I've met this guy and, and, he, and he's, he's, really, he's really nice and he's a good looking, good looking guy. You know, you know we, just, we just seem to have a good time even working together or in class together. He, he's, just, he's just fun to be with. And, uh, uh, and all, you know, I, he's, he, doesn't, he doesn't go to church anywhere. He doesn't believe in Jesus. But, but man, he's a really nice guy. And here it is. Here it is. I'm telling you, I've heard this. I've heard this. Pray for me. Pray for me that I'll know what to do. That, 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 listen, I, I, I don't, not ugly, but you don't need to pray for her. She doesn't even need to pray for herself. What she needs to do at that point is be obedient to the plainly revealed word of God where it addresses the issue of a believer and a non-believer in a relationship together. God's plainly revealed word of God addresses that. And, and, that's, and that's all she needs to do. And listen, listen, you can think of a million life situations where that would apply. The, 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 the guy that's thinking about leaving his, his wife the person that's um, uh, struggling with a sexual temptation or their sexual identity, the person that, uh, that's had a big fat paycheck kind of job land in their lap that's going to take them away from their family a significant portion of time or a job that might put them in a compromising uh, situation or the, or the family that's having to make a decision about their pregnancy because some tests came back that said that there might be some problems. Or the family that wants to, to go on a vacation that they know is going to uh, financially put them in a, in a severe bind, a, a severe crisis. Listen, I'm just on and on you can go. You can think of situation after situation where the plainly revealed word of God has already spoken on issues. And quite honestly, at that point, God doesn't need to give. I'm not telling you not to pray. I'm just telling you, God doesn't need to give you wisdom at that point. You need to give God. I need to give God obedience at that point. Do you see? It's the plainly revealed wisdom of God. By the way, um, I also, probably just another, um, well, I'll come back to that. So there's the plainly revealed wisdom of God. Here it is, right? God's word. That's what he says. What's that? I have no idea. There's the plainly revealed wisdom of God. Second, there is what I call the personally revealed wisdom of God. Right? And this, this, oh yeah, 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 that's what I've been waiting for. The personally revealed wisdom of God. The personally revealed wisdom of God is that wisdom that God gives to you personally that, um, that you can't necessarily find in Scripture. Right? Okay? So, you know, it's, you can look up a place in the Bible that says thou shalt not murder, right? But maybe you can't just turn to chapter and verse and find thou shalt take this job or thou shalt marry this person or thou shalt go to this school or thou shalt seek this career or that, you know, all those things. Does that mean that God is not interested in those areas of our life where he doesn't already specifically address in the plainly revealed word of God? Does that mean he doesn't care about those issues? No, I don't think so. I think that those are the opportunities then for you and I to seek the personally revealed wisdom of God 
that he gives to us to help us in the decision-making processes that we have to make in life. Y'all with me? Was that too much? Is that a run-on sentence? Did I lose you? So there's the personally revealed wisdom of God. The personally revealed wisdom of God, I should say this. This is important to remember. Just throw this out there as a word of warning. The personally revealed wisdom of God will never uh, conflict or contradict or contradict or conflict with the plainly revealed wisdom of God. Okay? You understand what I mean by that? If somebody says, well, you know, God just, he really kind of gave me an answer about that last night. If it in some way conflicts with what God has already revealed in his word, then you didn't get that from God. I don't know where you got it from, but you didn't get it from God. Because God's personally revealed will and wisdom will never contradict his already plainly revealed. Let me give you an example. I know a person, I know a guy who was struggling in his marriage and, um, and he's, and, and he's, Active in church, and he and his wife are active in church, but, but they were just struggling in their, in their, in their marriage and having a hard time of a particular issue. And, um, and so he, he said, he said uh, but, but I'm praying that God will, uh, God will show us what to do. I'm praying God will uh, give us wisdom and God will, you know, help in the marriage. And during this process, and while he was, was praying, he had a dream one night. And in, that, and in his dream, y'all are going to laugh, but I'm telling you, this is real. In his dream... His spouse was no longer with him. His spouse was no longer part of his life in that dream. So guess what? He took that as a word from God. As a word from God. Because I've been praying about this and then I had this dream and she wasn't in the picture. And so uh, that, uh, I take that as, as a sign from God that I'm no longer supposed to be, be with that person. I'm free of that person. Never mind that there were no biblical grounds at all. Do you understand what I'm saying? So... Whatever, when you begin to say, man, I, I believe God is saying this to me. I believe God's speaking this into my life. Gauge it against that. Like I said, you're not going to find thou shalt take this job. But you can find plainly revealed principles in there. And if, you, and if something conflicts or contradicts, back up. Because it's, it's not from God. By the way, I should also give this warning. There need not be any expectation in your life that God will give you his personally revealed wisdom if you're not already doing everything you can to be obedient to his plainly revealed wisdom. Okay, I don't, even, I guess, I don't guess I need to even go in detail about that, do I? If you know things in here and you're doing things in your life, something contrary to something that's in here, I don't think there need be any expectation on your part to say, well, I'm just gonna pray and ask God about something. I just don't think you're gonna find it if what God already spoken don't expect him to speak some more if you didn't listen to the, what he's already said. Does that, does that make sense? Okay. All right. So we've got the, uh, the plainly revealed wisdom of God, and then we've got the personally revealed wisdom of God. And that is, that is what God gives to us for specific situations, things we have. Now, within that, and I, I'm speaking uh, personally, but I think I can find plenty of biblical examples to uh, support this. But I find that the personally revealed wisdom of God comes in two ways. There is first, uh, God gives directional wisdom. Say directional wisdom. Good. Hey, some of y'all look like I was losing you, so I brought you back. There's directional wisdom. Directional wisdom, what I mean by directional wisdom is, man, and, and don't we all love this kind of wisdom? God just gives a direct answer. And, and listen, there are times when we need that. God, I need you to tell me yes or no, left or right, 
stop or go, God, what do you need me to do? Tell me what you need me to do. There are times in our life when God specifically says, directly says, Clay, do this. Clay, don't take on this. Uh, you understand what I'm saying? It's, it's the directional wisdom of God. It is clear. It is precise. It is wonderful, right? Don't, truth, don't you all like that kind of way when you pray and, and you just get a... God, I love that. It's wonderful. But, it's what, at least what I found to be true in my life, it is rare. The directional wisdom of God, the, the do this, go there, do, that kind of wisdom is rare. I'll explain why I think that is in just a moment. But there is the directional wisdom of God, and there is what I'm calling uh, the discernible wisdom of God. And the discernible wisdom of God is... When God takes us as we're walking down this faith path, this faith journey, as we're walking through the trials and the tribulations and stuff comes up and we're praying, God, uh, is this a person that should be involved in my life? God, is this something I should do? God, is this a direction I should go? We're praying for those kind of things. Discernible wisdom is when God guides us and he leads us as we commit our time to him, to spend time with him, spend time in his word, that God gives us insight. He gives us discernment. Watch this, so that we can make a decision that actually honors or glorifies God. Do you understand what I'm saying? So uh, he, he doesn't just say, uh, Clay, do this. That's a good one. I like that. But he doesn't always do that. As a matter of fact, I'd say that one is rare. But what he does do is, Clay, come on, take this next step with me. Walk over here, and I'm seeking his face, and I'm seeking, God, give me wisdom. God, help me to know what to do. God, what direction should we go? God, what is this? What is that? And, and as I do that, God's spirit is giving me discernment so that then I, I just believe that God then allows us, gives us access to his wisdom so that we can make decisions that bring him glory and, and are for our eternal good. But we've actually arrived at the decision through the discernment of God. You understand the difference between a direct one and that's just what I call them. I don't know what a smart person would call them, but that's just what I call them. Now, here's why I think directional wisdom is rarer than discernible wisdom. Directional wisdom uh, produces gratitude. At least in my life, it's what I found. When God just gives me a word and says, here's where I want you to go. This is what I want you to do. When God, it, it's just, it's just na- natural for me to say, God, thanks. Thanks for telling me. Thanks for helping me uh, decide. God, thanks for not letting me make that mistake. God, thanks for, you know, it, it, it produces gratitude. Nothing wrong with that. Okay, that's not a negative. We certainly need gratitude in our lives. And I think directional wisdom just allows us to, to just say, hey, thanks, 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 God. Thanks for doing that. Directional wisdom produces gratitude. Discernible wisdom, on the other hand, I think, is an opportunity for growth. Because God doesn't just give us the answer. He guides us. He leads us into making a decision that is going to honor him. And so as a natural byproduct of that, what's happened? I've grown. I've matured. I've I've drawn closer in my walk with him. I understand more about him. I understand more about his word and his wisdom. Uh, It's an opportunity for growth. Both are important. Both are needed. Both kinds of wisdom are needed. Gratitude is needed. Uh, Growth is needed. But quite frankly, I I probably need a whole lot more growth. (laughs) Then, uh, then God needs gratitude. He deserves gratitude. I, you understand what I'm saying? So uh, there's, there's uh, directional wisdom and there's discernible wisdom. 
for our lives. It's the personally revealed wisdom of God. So let's think of a, a situation. Uh, you are, uh, you're facing a job opportunity. All right. Um, there's nothing within the, the, the purview of the job that you've seen that uh, already directly conflicts with the wisdom of God. In other words, you, you can't find anything in there that would be contradictory or, or conflicting with, with what God's already revealed. So you need, you, but, but you don't want to make a mistake, right? You don't want to, God, I don't want to start down a road. Or I don't want to start this career. and that, That's not right for me. So you then, that's when you begin to go to God and seek his wisdom for your life. Because you've placed yourself in a position to receive his wisdom. Why? Because you've gone through trials and through those trials you've matured so that you're lacking in nothing now. You're a mature believer ready to receive what God has to give to you in your life. So we come back to this idea that the trials become essential to getting me mature in my faith, which gets me to the place where I can receive the wisdom of God so that I can make decisions that are in, in the best interests of, of, of my life, whatever God would decide that would be, and be the most glorifying to him. Okay? All right. Um, Tyler, uh, what, what I got? James chapter 1, verse 6 through 8. Here, here's the deal. Here's what he says. But let him ask in faith without doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. We come back to the idea that faith has a potential. There's potential for the wisdom of God, but not if I am a double-minded man. Not if I am tossed about by the circumstances and situations of my life. Oh, oh God, help me. God, is God with me? Oh, oh, no. Oh, God's with me. God, oh, God, I don't know. The situations, the stuff of life, and it's tossing you all about. Uh, God says, let that, not, let that man expect to receive nothing from me. <laughs> I've been there. Have you been there? So how do I not be there? He already gave his answer, didn't he? Trials, trials, trials mature me. Trials grow me up. Trials help me learn how to depend on God in the situation that stinks, that I hate, that I don't want to be in. But I've learned instead of screaming, God, get me out of this. I've learned, God, get me to you in this. Help me to get you in this. So the potential is the wisdom of God for the people of God and for the glory of God. All right, let me just close with, uh, with one more idea this morning. Faith has a promise and it's the crown of life. I want to get this in real quickly and we'll close. <clears throat> But the brother of humble uh, circumstances is to glory in his high position and the rich man is to glory in his humiliation because like flower and grass, he'll pass away. The, the sun rises with a scorching wind the, and withers the grass and flower falls off and the uh, beauty of appearance is destroyed. So too the rich man in the midst of his uh, pursuits will fade away. Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial for once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life. Which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Uh, it, it's this, this interplay between the, the poor man and the rich man, that's all part of James's uh, teachings on faith. He's, he's directing us into faith. And he's saying uh, the, the poor man in this life, poor by this world's standards, the poor man in this life, he can, he can glory in his, in his elevation. Because why? If he's come to Christ, he's a child of the king. No matter how much is in his bank account, 
No matter what kind of car he drives, no matter what kind of job he has or she has, they're a child of the king. So rich or poor or somewhere in between, young or old or somewhere in between, black or white or somewhere in between, all that stuff, none of that stuff matters. None of that stuff matters. As the old saying goes, all ground is level at the cross. We'll get to the rich man in a second, but, it, 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 but it's, everybody meets there. Everybody meets there. And so what I, faith becomes the great equalizer in all of it. Because the rich man, he can glory in his humiliation, not in his embarrassment, but in, in the fact that he has been humbled and has to, has to come to the cross. In other words, all the money in the world won't get him in, any fame, any fortune, any notoriety, all that stuff means nothing. It means nothing, which is why in verse 11 he says, it's, it's all just, it, it's, it's, what am I saying? It's all for dust. It's all going to fade away. It's all, it's all nothing. Are you kidding me? That's what you're going to put your stock in, rich dude? No. All ground is level at the cross. Everybody comes the same way. And for those that do, those who, who, who walk by faith and learn this principle, even through their trials, they come to this place where they understand what God has waiting for me is this, as James says, this crown of what? Life. Say it. Life. Life. Uh, here in verse 12, by the way, James, uh, James is the only one, James and Jesus in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10 are the only ones that mention this crown of life. And there may be some mystery as to uh, uh, the total understanding of what that is but clearly the implication in the context certainly in revelation and even here i think is that that this crown of life is referring to the to this time when hey when there'll be no more trials yeah that was a good place to say amen there'll be more no more trials no more cancer no more death no more separation no more hardships no more tears no more death that's what you have to look forward to as a child of God walking by faith. You've got that to look forward to. It's the crown of life. Not just the, 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 the existence that I have here, but something that goes on for all of eternity and whatever all it might be. And nobody in here is smart enough to know uh, exactly what all it will be. But, but here's, here's what scripture says in Romans uh, chapter eight. The apostle Paul says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time, whatever your suffering is right now in your life, whatever your trial, whatever your, your hardship, for I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Uh, one more in first Corinthians chapter two, again, the apostle Paul that is what the scriptures mean when they say no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Now, some of that can mean in this life, what the plans and purposes that God has for you. But certainly it extends beyond that to what God has waiting for us in all of eternity. The crown of life. That's, that's where it all culminates. And all this stuff is fading away, all your hardships, all your triumphs, all your money, all your lack of money, all your things. It's all going away someday. Sooner than any of us believe it's going away. And for those who have walked by faith, depended on Christ, allowed him to mature them and grow them, they can look forward to that expectation that there's something so much far better beyond this that I can look forward to in my life. It always comes back to faith. So the writer of Hebrews got it exactly right. Let me close with this. The writer of Hebrews got it exactly right. 
Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, a man cannot please God unless he has faith. A person cannot please God unless they have, say it, faith. Anyone who comes to God must believe that he is, obviously, but that one must also know that God gives what is promised to the one who keeps on looking for him. Can I just say to you, and we're, and we're done, keep looking for God. Keep looking for God in your trials. Keep looking for God in your faith. Keep looking for God through whatever the future holds for you, walking by faith, and I promise you, you can keep looking for the crown of life that God has for us someday. And when all this is faded away and all this is done, and it's just even a vague memory at best, if it'll even be that, we'll have the life complete and total what God has wanted us to have all along. Life, purpose in Him. What a glorious future we have waiting for us in eternity. As Pastor Clay explained today, God is always moving us toward that goal. The crown of life is for all of those who are following Jesus. The life we have here now is made better even through the trials we face. And the life we'll have there in eternity will make everything we have to go through here well worth it. We're glad you joined us for this week's Crosswalk. Pastor Clay is the author of the book, I Get It, Discovering How to Really Live in the Promises of God. My prayer is that God would use it to help some people understand a few things about what it really takes to live in the promises of God. God wants you to live a life of peace and purpose and meaning and hope and fulfillment and contentment. He wants you to live a life without fear and without anxiety. Many people at some point in their life feel disconnected with the type of life and faith they read about in the Bible and what their lives look like on a daily basis. What is it that we're missing? What is it that we're not getting? If I'm not really living in the promises of God, why is that? That's what this book explores. I Get It is available online in electronic versions for the Nook and Kindle, as well as paperback form from Amazon.com. And ask for it by name at your favorite local bookstore. You can go in bookstores and just say, hey, uh, have you got a book in here, uh, entitled I Get It from Clay Stevens. They can order this book out of their catalogs that they get. Get your copy today. Discover the promises of God and the steps you need to take to get it. And join us here each week online for another Crosswalk message. God has invited us to know Him through His Word, the Bible, a perfect record of God's revelation to man and applicable to every area of our lives. And if you're in the Raleigh area, we invite you to be a part of cross-culture worship. We meet at 1030 every Sunday morning at the Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540, exit 7. Cross Culture Church. We're a church, but instead of religion, we're about relationships. And instead of rituals, we practice realness. Our desire is to be used by God to show people that a life built on the finished work of Christ on the cross is where you'll find what you're searching for. Cross Culture Church. I'm not the water, I'm not the bread, but I know the place where your soul is fed. So hungry and thirsty, come and be blessed. I want to leave. Cross Culture Church, a new church for people like you. Learn more about us, who we are, what we're about, what we do, and what we believe. Visit us online at crossculturelife.org.